0: Hi, I'm your host, Chandaneja and I welcome you back to Ashoka Changemakers Radio. Today, we're talking to Sameer Ramesh, co-founder of MyCaptain, a platform that provides live and online classes with young mentors. MyCaptain has been a key resource during the lockdown for people to tap into their long forgotten passion, as well as for many others, a platform to learn fresh skills at. Let's find out more about MyCaptain and their key takeaways of conducting business during the pandemic. thank you so much for joining me here today. As part of a liberal education set up at Ashoka University myself, I truly understand and appreciate the kind of work that you and your team at MyCaptain does. I'm sure that each individual listening to us today, who is trying to pursue a career in a field that is conventionally not supported, is definitely thankful for a platform like MyCaptain to reach out to and learn skills we are not taught in a usual school environment. So thank you.
1: My pleasure. Nice
0: to be here, Chuck. Okay. All right. Let's start then. Um, I know that you, Ruhan and Zishan were classmates in college and that's where your journey started. So could you tell me a little bit more about the start of this venture and how it all began?
1: Absolutely. So, first um, let me correct you that Rohan, Zishan, and I didn't go to the same college. Um, so, how we know each other is Zishan and I are friends from school.
2: Ah, and okay.
1: Rohan and Zishan went to the same college. Um, and how it began kind of um, ties into all of this. Okay. So, actually, uh, the background, uh, all three of us are unfortunately engineers. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not something that we wanted to be ourselves. I wanted to be a blogger. Um, Zishan wanted to be an astronomer or a Beyblade specialist. Wow. I figured astronomer would make more sense.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: uh, Rohan wanted to be a writer. I see. Okay. Uh, despite all of that, uh, despite us having interest in certain things and you know being inclined towards it as well, we never really understood how to get started in the field. Mm. So when I was, um, you know, a blogger, I wanted to be a blogger when I was in 11th standard, but I didn't know how to get started blogging. I didn't know anything about how to make money. Mm-hmm. And when my mom asked me those questions, like, how are you going to make money? Who's going to read your blog? I didn't have any answers. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't have any answers, it was assumed that I'd get into engineering. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how um, the story began for all three of us. Like Even though we had different interests, we ended up in an engineering college. So. While we were growing up, that is, back in 2011-12, when uh, we were in 11th grade or so, we were told that only certain fields had the magical scope mm-hmm. that um, everybody was looking for. Yeah. This specifically being engineering, where you know everybody should be an engineer because it opens the doors, apparently. And that was the entire idea and philosophy that pushed us into these streams, even though we had no interest or no particular aptitude towards them at all.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And it was on one of these long rants that happened between school friends who are in different colleges, that the idea for My Captain uh, was born, the idea for the organization was born, where we thought, if this is something that's prevalent across the country, why can't we do something to fix it? Why can't we do something to solve this problem?
2: Yeah. And
1: that's where the idea for, you know, motivation, so to say, for My Captain even started. Uh, our initial attempt at solving this big problem was uh, through a magazine. We thought we'll print magazine, give it off to schools and colleges, and, you know, our revolution. But that's not the case. Uh, we soon realized that that didn't really work out. Yeah. Eventually, we uh, stumbled upon this idea for running online programs where we connect young achievers in different fields yeah. with high school and college students who want to pursue the same thing. That was how MyCaptain, as its origin, um, you know, evolved from there. Uh, so talk a little bit about the early days of MyCaptain, we didn't really have much in terms of um, idea of how to do anything. In fact, we were 18, 19 years old at the time, Slint College, and most of all our efforts were spent in avoiding studies, and this was one of the best ways to do it. Yeah, definitely. Right. right. So... Um, My Captain evolved from that idea that let's help other people who are in the same boat as we are. And while I and a few of my friends like Zishan, were stuck, you know, not knowing how to pursue what we wanted, Hmm. we realized that there were a few people who were in the same or as us or maybe a senior to us Hmm. who had actually followed what they loved and had managed to make something much better for themselves out of it.
2: Oh, right. So...
1: We honestly, and I'm sure if you look around, you'll find the photographers, the tinkerers, the artists, etc. who have actually managed to follow their passion and go on to do something yeah, really yeah. amazing in it. So we thought, if somebody wants to be an astronomer, why not put them in touch with somebody who's gone through the same struggle as they have and then got into astronomy?
2: Yeah.
1: Or if somebody wants to be a designer, why not put them in touch with a designer who's in college or has started working for that? You know, if I really want to learn, I can learn from somebody who's just gone through it, who understands the troubles and the problems that I'm going through, Mm -hmm. and will be able to guide me in a way that I understand.
2: Right.
1: So, My Captain was born out of this idea that young mentors, young professionals will be the ones who guide and mentor the next set of students coming in to take the first step into their field. Right. And so, uh, way back in, yes.
0: Yeah, it's, I, I was just asking, it's been five years of My Captain
1: now? Effectively, yes. Um, it's great. been five years since we started My Captain, and we've mentored over 120,000 students from all across the country in 40 plus different fields now, ranging from things like stand up comedy, music production, entrepreneurship, graphic design, illustration, and doodling, and even technical fields like ethical hacking of, you know, app development and so on.
0: That's amazing because, you know, the shift from the point in our education where we were judged based on our ability to memorize content to learning skills that are non-conventional in nature, skills that, you know, polish the understanding of someone's true interest in a field, like how you mentioned app development, photography and various other fields is, I mean, the need of the art. And I really appreciate a, a platform like yours where you know like if, if I'm to deep dive into a field I can know that okay there's scope there and I can first actually be de- like you know deal with a professional in the field first and understand.
1: exactly chance that's what we really want to do with my captain like yeah. this the way we plan my captain the way we design all our courses
0: mm-hmm.
1: is to be sort of a litmus test mm-hmm. for the student so for example I think I'm interested in writing. But mm-hmm. what do I want to write? Am I going to be a good copywriter? Do I get into the advertisement agencies? Do I become a blogger? Do I run my own blog? Or mm-hmm. do I become a novelist? Do I become an author? So even if somebody is curious about writing and wants to pursue a career as a writer, mm-hmm. there are dozens, if not millions of options for them to you know pick and choose. And how would a 14, 15-year-old be able to realize or decide from the majority of options and they've never had a chance to experience any of them.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's what we try to do with MyCaptain. So when, if anybody signs up for MyCaptain program, the first and foremost thing we want for them is by the end of the 30 days, they have an idea of, okay, what really happens in journalism as a field? Mm-hmm. What are the basic skills that a journalist requires? And they'll be asked to do a few hands-on projects so that by the end of the month, they'll realize, You know what, I actually like doing it and I might pursue it. Or even better, I didn't really like it. I like writing, but journalistic writing is not my cup of tea. Mm. So let me try something else instead.
0: Yeah.
1: That's where we try to bring my camp, you know, our experience of being pushed into a field that we had no idea for by giving others the opportunity to experiment, to explore before they have to make that big decision.
0: Which I think is great. I mean at Ashoka as well, we we are promoting students to, you know, pick up electives that are say they're still molding themselves to pick up a major or a minor and they can choose from a great deal of electives to even, you know, before they even streamline into a particular field. Which I believe is amazing. And I'm glad to know that, you know, a platform like My Captain is also doing that. Yeah, that's definitely a shift that we are, you know, recognizing. I would like to talk about a second shift that we in the world have uh, undergone during this time. So this this is no news that it took us less than 10 days, you know, to adapt to conditions like the pandemic and reside in a remote okay. learning environment. Which, by the way, I feel my captain was providing way before pandemic even brought about a situation of le- virtual learning. So I want to know, like, that a platform like yours that was functioning way ahead of its time, what kind of business did it incur during the lockdown and in now, you know, in the pandemic-stricken economy? I'm sure there were strategic changes that you all had to pick up as well, keeping the work-from-home or study-from-home culture in yes.
1: mind. Definitely, definitely, definitely was a major shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like you said, we at MyCaptain have been doing live classes well before, um, you know, the pandemic made it cool. So we were kind of like the hipsters when it comes to um, <laughs> the, uh, live classes. So when we started, we broke our entire program down in such a way that anybody would be able to learn regardless of their style of learning as well mm. as the time availability they'd have. Yeah. So we split it into parts which were asynchronous as well as synchronous. Mm. So the asynchronous parts were Recorded content that currently we are developing in-house based on our own curriculum development framework. So we've got all of that. We've got an amazing team of content writers, designers, illustrators, editors who work towards creating the content. And now this is something that entirely happened asynchronous. So if I'm a student, I can go through it. It's like the modern version of chapters of a textbook.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: synchronous part is what we've been doing before uh, you know everybody started, which was a live session. And in these live sessions, we got our young mentors, you know, who speak the language of the students today, who really connect with them Mm -hmm. to be live on Zoom. And we were using Zoom, I think, a year before it became popular or even anybody had heard of it. (laughs) I see. So, and even when we were doing Zoom, we tried our best to do something different from how traditional and even today online teaching experiences are. We try to make the a life's classes as engaging and experiential as possible. Hmm. Hmm. That was one of our major concerns. Like being students ourselves, we knew that a lecture is something that nobody would ever, ever, ever want to listen to. Hmm. So instead we thought, why not just make it an experience? Why not make it something that they can participate in? Why not make it something that that involves them and creates that mind-blowing experience when it comes to learning? yeah. And we successfully managed to do that. And today, even when live classes are going on in so many different sectors and colleges and various other ed tech companies and startups, the way we do live classes is still something special. We make activities like if you have to talk about the difference between art and design, mm. the one thing that we do is we make the mentees play a game of dictionary,
2: oh. And through
1: that game, we try to explain how what the difference is between the two things. Mm. And that's kind of how my captain had always been, uh, you know, talking about experiences, about delivering all of it. With the pandemic hitting, uh, we faced a major cultural shock as an organization <laughs> because most of us are young. Most of us, I, I think at 25, I'm probably the second oldest person inside the entire company. Really?
2: Second
1: like or third oldest. Yes.
2: Oh, wow. That's um, amazing.
1: Yeah. So that, we are a very young company and most of our entire staff consists of freshers. So the work from home was a massive shock for us. And we took us some time to actually, you know, get a hold of it, get a hang of it, figure out how these scheduling things work and all of that. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: But we did eventually find a system where, uh, you know, calendars were synced up and we started doing all sorts of adult, actual company, actual startup things, Mm -hmm. which kind of surprised us. Mm -hmm. But what really made a difference in the pandemic was the kind of acceptance that people had of, okay, fine, I'm going to be home and there is no concept of a college campus anymore for me. What I need to do, I need to do on my own phone, laptop, tablet, whatever I have.
2: Right, exactly.
1: And because of that, it was not just the students who adapted, but the entire teaching workforce that was there, as well as the parents. Hmm. So it forced a massive change on people who were not ready, not accepting anything like that.
2: Mm. Like if
1: you think about um, online classes, there has been resistance constantly. And if you talk to any teacher to deliver something virtually before the pandemic, Mm. they would have said it's impossible. Yeah. And right now they're forced to do it. So Mm. the pandemic's forced teachers and educators as such to completely change the way they thought about how they taught. How they would engage a classroom. Yeah. And the kind of shift caused us gave us an advantage obviously because That's one true. all our mentors are under the age of 30 hmm. plus they've been doing live classes before so using technology using zoom to create engaging classes was not a challenge for them as much as it would have been for you know more traditional teachers from a college cool. system or anything like that
2: yeah. and
1: because it opened up this whole set of advantages and people really realized that I'm going to be online. Might as well do something constructive. That was the productivity boom of COVID, so yeah, to say, probably. early in the month,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which coincided with summer. So a lot of people ended up taking um, workshops on and A lot of people signed up for it. Uh, mm-hmm. In fact, whereas um, previously we noticed that our premium subscribers would take about three to uh, two to three different uh, courses, Hmm. Regularly, we realized that there was a bump and people ended up taking four, five, six different courses as well. That's
2: great, yeah.
1: So that's kind of one shift that really helped. Uh, Another small but very interesting thing that happened because of the pandemic
2: Hmm. uh,
1: was uh, people who are slightly older than our uh, audience of college students and young professionals and school Hmm. students, I'm talking Hmm. 35, 40 year olds. Mm. Who always had a hobby or a curiosity about something, be it writing, be it photography, be it filmmaking. Mm. Ended up signing up for My Capital program. So we got a lot of people who were, you know, 40, 45, and even much older than that, taking up programs completely unrelated to what they were doing. Mm. Uh, we had a cancer specialist, uh, again, one of the most senior ones in the country, mm. take up the event management workshop. Wow. And, you know, be present over there and be super active. Mm. We saw, um, you know, how um, homemakers way back who are probably, who were in their 35s or 40s even, take Mm. up things like creative writing, saying that I've always wanted to write and now I just decided to. That's great.
0: Wow. That's, see, now that's a shift that we can definitely, you know, say we'll pass on to further generations as well, because I'm sure that expanding their uh, viewpoint is something that they can definitely pass on to the coming generations and their kids as well.
1: Oh, yeah, completely. So if you think about it, like somebody's mom is pursuing uh, creative writing Mm. uh, and the kid, maybe even the kid is seven years old or 17 years old, Mm. it's going to make a lasting impact on them to see that. And especially when the mom is like, hey, I'm having fun doing this. Mm-hmm. And this was really nice for me.
2: Mm-hmm. That's
1: going to stay with them. That kind of an experience is going to stay with them and be something that they talk about a lot. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Absolutely. All right. Um, just. Uh, so this is my last question to you, Samir. And I mm-hmm. ask this to all the speakers that have been part of our podcast, Passion Pandemic and Pivot. Is about the fact that the COVID-19 pandemic has definitely spun our lives around. And entrepreneurs like you across the world are to confront this new normal by reassessing their own businesses. But what do you think this new normal would look like at my captain, say in terms of the working schedule as well that you talked about or the work ethics that you were talking about for a young company like yours? So this is one part of the question. The second is that uh, do you think that slowly but steadily we can see a revamp in the kind of education system that we used to conventionally follow to completely being something that um, my captain provides?
1: Uh, for the second one, I certainly hope so.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely.
1: <laughs> right. But uh, just answering them in sequence the first one was um, the kind of change uh, we've had to undergo because of the pandemic. The new normal thing is kind of scary to me. Um, considering that uh, you know, less than in March, I remember walking into a supermarket and the person showing me out saying, "You're not allowed to enter without a mask." Mm-hmm. To me, being paranoid, even if I have to take five steps out of the house without one today. Mm-hmm. So it's scary how quickly we've adopted this new style of living with um, the precautions, with the fears, etc., that this pandemic brought about.
2: Mm-hmm. With
1: regards to how it's affected work. It's definitely taken a toll because uh, one thing that happened earlier, you know, as soon as the pandemic started, everybody had a work, you know, everybody was moved to a work from home scenario. Hmm. There was still that whole, um, okay, I'm going to be productive. It's a change of space. I'm still liking it. And that was really good. However, as the months dragged on, it became more and more difficult, uh, not just for the people in the team, but even for myself and almost everyone else to keep up with that amount of energy that an office or a community like an office would bring.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Being at home, it was all the more tempting to, you know, just take calls sitting on the bed Mm -hmm. or keep the video off and so on. But Mm -hmm. whereas in office, the kind of energy that would be there, the kind of positivity that would come from seeing other people, from working with other people, from hearing other people,
2: Mm -hmm. was
1: something that really kind of lost its edge, I would say, um, as the months um, dragged on. So right now, uh, we have reopened our office to a very, very, very small degree. Mm. Uh, You know, just um, essential people, you know, like team leaders, etc. who are, uh, you know, in Bangalore, we've called them in. Mm. And immediately, we've noticed the kind of spark that's there in all our eyes and all our energies. When we just sit together, Mm. um, instead of, you know, sitting apart. Uh, or one just disclaimer we are taking all the necessary precautions we are oh. no way being lax on those things yeah I'm sure so now answering the second question
2: yeah. uh,
1: which I think um, is something that I would really want to hope happens because <laughs> the way education has been happening in our country there are a lot of blind spots present that nobody is really really addressing one of which is what are teachers doing what is the role of a teacher in today's classrooms
2: mm.
1: is it just to give information but isn't that same information prevalent everywhere else according to us and our philosophy at my captain mm. the teacher's role has to evolve from being a source of information to being a source of inspiration mm. the teacher should be the one who really drives the student to go ahead and you know explore things to try out a hundred different things to try and fail at hundred different things as well, and with the current way the education system focuses on marks and getting you know the chapters complete and you know being syllabus uh, completed on time, et cetera, mm. even if teachers wanted to experiment, they're not given any any room to you know move around and try out different things
2: mm.
1: And hopefully that's leading to major shifts in perspective where we are able to fundamentally question. Why are we going to school? What is the point of a graduate degree? What's the point of a bachelor's degree? And from there, if you're able to build up, if you're able to go ahead and answer those questions, realize that all of, if academics is properly tied into careers, mm-hmm. why aren't we focusing on developing skills that students need in the professional world today? Yeah. Like Again, like you said, memorization is not really important. Good handwriting is not really important, but those are two of the most focused on skills in school.
2: That's true, yeah.
1: And I I don't remember when I wrote something on a piece of paper uh, before, but it's just a constant thing that's being driven down generation after generation after generation without anybody really asking why. Mm. So hopefully along with less of focus on handwriting for um. People like me who are who write everything illegibly, uh, questioning what the role of a teacher is. We see that shift coming in. Yeah. At my captain and our philosophy again has always been that we try to expect our educators to be mentors. Mm. We don't expect them to know everything about everything. Yeah, we instead, true. tell them that based on your experience and what you've learned, guide mm. and mentor the students who want to pursue the same thing.
0: That's a perfect approach to actually take. and I commend the kind of work that my captain has introduced into the field because um, likewise universities like Ashoka as well have established a more liberal take on um, fields that people or our generation particularly is trying to explore. and for the head for you know just having a broader mindset to picking up courses of their own choice and they're not very conventional in their form. So yes, I completely agree with each and everything that you've talked about so far. And I can't thank you enough for the insights that you've provided for in the kind of work field and the uh, work atmosphere that my captain holds today. So thank you so much for joining me today.
1: My pleasure. Ramsey absolutely my pleasure. And I definitely hope that this reaches out to people and, you know, if not makes a Makes them rethink everything. At least helps them start asking questions Absolutely. about what's happening today and what the future would hold for them in terms of education and career.
0: Absolutely, uh, this has been great, Samir. Thank you so much. That brings us to the end of our fifth episode of the season. Fashion, pandemic, and pivot. Let us know what you think of it on our Instagram handle at the Center for Entrepreneurship underscore A. If you have any recommendations on who I should interview next, write to me at chand.aneja underscore mls21 at the date This episode is produced and edited by Yash Saksena.